Like, if anyone uh, ever bumps into, I don't know where he is or what he's up to. I just want to say, all right, how, how's it going? And you know, just after a little while, once you've all done it, you just want to go. Oh, before I go, I just want you to know. You know, remember Gavin Hodson? Yeah, for like for the last fifteen years, he's made you <laughs> on Pro Evo and FIFA and uh, like wrestling games. He You're constantly a top makes you for the last fifteen years. You've been his man yeah, yeah, of the match constantly for making you. Twenty-one seasons. He should be flattered. Again and again and he should again. be flattered that he's made I, such an impression on my life <laughs> that I include him every year in my FIFA I, team. I, Hello everyone and welcome to Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And this week is a continuation of our Stephen King month and we're putting the 2017 action fantasy The Dark Tower on trial. Is it The Dark Tower or is it a golden shower? <laughs> it's what? Yeah, obviously they know which one the bad one is. Essentially, <laughs> we're going to find do. out. I'm not sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're both quite bad, to be honest. I think one of them is more like a brown shower. Uh, essentially, we're going to find out oh. if this would be placed on just, our... Just when you think the fruit is hanging low and it's like, no, no, yeah. there's... It's pretty more. much just picking <laughs> the rotten stuff off yeah, the floor instead. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than take that nice low hanging <laughs> branch, yeah. I'll have this stuff that might get eaten. The, yeah. the, the birds that want this one. Yeah. I'm rubbishing around compost bins, me. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, we're going to find out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Pet Cemetery 2019, I might add. Dave, you judged that trial and you deemed that it should be placed on the shit list again like the like the 1989 version uh, yeah. you've since gone away and you've re-watched the film mm-hmm. did you make the right call um it was a tr- tricky one to call to be honest with you because i do think that is the best version of pet cemetery we're gonna get i don't think you can film it any better but i do think there's just some major flaws going on with the original story with the original book that just makes it too hard to adapt i think you know in terms of making the film I think they did a decent job. I think, you know, the direction was good. The cast were good. Things worked well. But ultimately, the book itself, I think, I'm going to go as far as say, is pretty much unadaptable. Um, I just don't think there's not a great deal you can do with it. And I think there's flaws. I think there's other bits that aren't going to work on the big screen. Um, I think they did the best job that they could. So all in all, I think there's a lot of successes that the people involved with the Making a Pet Cemetery can take away. But ultimately, would I recommend it to anyone? No, I wouldn't say I would, to be honest. Unless they're diehard Stephen King fans, I, I don't think I'd recommend it to anyone. It's, it, it falls short for me. So I do think I made the right call, but it's not a write-off of a film by any stretch. Even John Lithgow's performance? Yeah, I didn't think he was that bad, to be honest with you. I thought He's no Fred Gwynn. <laughs> who is though apart from who is, apart from the late Fred Gwynn <laughs> okay now uh, thank you very much for that Dave on to our trial all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random as usual so acting in defence of the Dark Tower and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be Alex now Alex is just like the character Paul Sheldon from Stephen King's Misery a brilliant writer who has recently spent the Easter holidays lying down and doing very little um, Very nice. Much yep. tamer than your last one. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, and, a lot tamer. <laughs> okay, we get it, yeah. I've got a lot of apologies that I need to make after the Green Mile episode. Um, 
Some of them were edited out. Some of them should have been edited out. <laughs> and I will apologize now that listening back to them, I may have overstepped a few lines. <laughs> like There was a line, I could see it approaching, and then before I knew it, it was way off in the distance. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm very sorry. Um, now, <laughs> acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be me and Dave. Now, I'm a bit like Annie Wilkes from Stephen King's Misery, whereas Annie might get a little bit annoyed if you move her penguin statue to face any other position than Northwest. I might get annoyed if you, I don't know, put a drink down on any of my surfaces without using a coaster, mm-hmm. <laughs> which all of you will attest to. And a broken ankle will be the least of your concerns, however, if you did that, <laughs> which you also can attest to. <laughs> and um, well, I had uh, a couple people around at the weekend it was joel and alex and um yeah yes he had a new couch a new, ca- a new couch terrifying yeah. it was intense it. it was incredibly intense I-, I think nothing dave but you never can be sure can you it could come back and haunt, haunt me like a month later like who put fucking chocolate on my yeah it, well, so, the so thing you never is know. is i've ordered a couple of new side tables so the old side tables that we're using you know, they was just going to get rid of them. And Joel was like, have you got any coasters? And I was like, no, it's it's fine. Uh, you can just put the drinks down on the table. And he, he was like, he thought it was a test. <laughs> he was just Shock. sort of like, ah, I, know, I know I can, <laughs> but I don't want to. The best game, I'd, I'd, I'd miss, because we haven't been around at Gav's house, I've missed the game of playing How Much Can You Wind Gav Up About His DIY, where he kind of <laughs> knows you're doing it on purpose. But it's still actually winding him up. So just asking him, <laughs> asking him if he's gonna like how many more coats of varnishes he's gonna put on the floor, and just watching him sort of go <laughs> was yeah, I, I like, uh, I'd missed I like, it. I'd missed it a lot. You pretend that this is a game, but it all originated from you genuinely asking me, like, <laughs> "Oh, uh, when are you gonna paint the walls?" Essentially, painted the walls, and he thought that the, the, it was. I don't know whether it was like lining paper or like it was plastic. I didn't care, Gav. I was just being polite. I was just being polite. <laughs> I, I didn't know. <laughs> I think you'll find all this originated from us like comfortably sat in a room having a chat for half an hour and then you saying, are you not going to compliment me on the changes <laughs> yeah. I made to this room? And then I was frantically scouring the place looking yeah. for something that was a bit different from the last time we were sat so Every there. time I entered the house just shouting out, great skirt and boards, great clock, great, <laughs> just shouting out nouns and saying how great they are. Dave, I think you've got an absolute cheek, mate. You were the absolute worst. You would be sat for like half an hour on a completely different chair like staring at a wall that has just recently been wallpapered a completely different colour and you'd be like what? You, you could be you could be sat in my next door neighbour's house and you probably wouldn't recognize. Just, just wait till I go into your new kitchen that you've knocked through and I go to lean on the wall that's not there anymore <laughs> Right, anyway, sorry, a bit off topic here. Right, anyway, right, and uh, joining me in prosecution will be uh, Dave. And Dave is just like Randall Flagg from The Stand. He's got great hair, he loves denim, his tastes span many decades, and he's very persuasive. Oh, oh, and yeah, he's probably a secret evil mastermind as well. <laughs> I was going to wait, this is too complimentary. <laughs> and, uh, so just like real court advocates, the defence and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think. Which means this week, Ozzy has the most important role as he will be playing the judge. And Ozzy is just like Leland Gaunt from Needless Things. His front room looks like an old curiosity shop, and everybody <laughs> seems to really like and respect him, even though, at first glance, he's a creepy old fucker. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Looks like that was your turn then this week, Ozzy. <laughs> yeah, wow. Thanks, uh, man. I got, I got off pretty light, all things considered. <laughs> now, Ozzy must decide which list of films should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinions. Now, before we get started, I think we should give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about. So let us spin the rebooted Wheel of Impressions. These are all animals you find on a, on a farm, by the way. Uh, and that oh. has landed on Dave. Um, so what Dave has got to do here is read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. Um, so how would we like Dave to read off the synopsis? Uh, a New York accent? Yeah, yeah. I mean, New York. Oh, I was thinking of um, McConaughey. I mean, uh, have we, uh, we've done McConaughey before. We've done McConaughey. Someone's yeah. done McConaughey, yeah. Or has Dave done McConaughey? That's, yeah, do that's you want to have a go question. at McConaughey, Dave? Um, I, I tell you now, I cannot do McConaughey, but it might be good for a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what this is all Give about. Give me a clue. What does, what does McConaughey sound like again? All right, all right, all right. A boy haunted by visions of a dark tower from a parallel reality teams up with the tower's disillusioned guardian to stop an evil warlock known as the Man in Black who plans to use the boy to destroy the tower and open the gates of hell. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Dave, it's like, like molasses coming through your mouth there. Like, just, you should do audio. I want you to like, honestly, like read me stories as I'm going to sleep. It's in that accent. Uh, that, was, that was so well, that was honestly, that was, that was so uh, good, such a good impression of Matthew McConaughey. It was almost like Matthew McConaughey's bare ass was in the room. <laughs> Right. Anyway, uh, uh, moving swiftly on, Arcee, would you like to please kick off proceedings? Yeah, I mean, it sounds uh, relatively good already, based on that, um, mm-hmm. that impression. So, um, yeah, let's fire away. Let's have a def- bit of defence on this then, a um, bit of an overview of the story again. Tell me about tell me about the way the story's played out. Is it well well constructed? You know, I've read this, uh, this book, so um, I don't know if you have, but if you... Um, yeah, so have you read the it. you read the Gunslinger, the first one? I've read the, the Gunslinger. Tower. Yes. Have you read any any more? No, I did not get beyond that. Although I did like the Gunslinger, so um, I, this is the the you know I assume this is more than one book is worth. Yeah, of, it's I think it's seven in total books. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so this isn't so this is based on the Gunslinger characters, but you wouldn't watch this film and be like, right, this is the story of the first Gunslinger because I, I think they made the decision that. The first Gunslinger is—it's a great little like novella. It's a small book that Stephen King wrote very early on in his career, like before he'd been published on anything. This was one of his stories I think he wrote in in college, and then later on, sort of reworked it and and and, and put it out there. Uh, and it's a great story as a book, but I think they realised that it wasn't going to work as a film. So they've sort of meshed a few different elements of the from the books into this film and left some bits out. So there's a fair bit of sort of this film is sort of a new thing so yeah you could read the books you can enjoy the characters you know where they are but some characters are in it and some characters aren't obviously it's sort of like i think meant to be more films come in yeah of course yeah so yeah so so they've sort of reworked the original material a a, a bit to sort of give you a solid foundation for a film which is fair enough i guess yeah because i mean the, the first book's amazing but really there's an awful lot of him just walking across the desert and being very thirsty, you know, which is good, great in the book, fantastic, 
but possibly wouldn't have made the most entertaining film. Um, so the plot, uh, the plot sort of centers, I think if you remember in the first book, there's a boy in the book called Jake Chambers. Yep. Um, so the book, the book, uh, the, the this film sort of centers around him. Uh, you saw, we're sort of introduced to Jake Chambers. He's living in New York. Um, he's lost his father and he's not coping with it. He's sort of got sort of, you can see he's sort of got anger issues that are coming out in school. And he's also having these very, really uh, vivid dreams. So he's having dreams of this apocalypse happening and he's having dreams of what's called the dark man and the gunslinger. So the dark man is Matthew McConaughey and the uh, the gunslinger is Idris Elba playing playing these characters. Roland of Eld. Okay. Uh, is the gunslinger's yeah. name and it's a nice way that the film sort of like introduces you to these characters because obviously it's quite a big sort of world but actually it's just introduced you through these snapshots of jake chambers dreams and also introduces you to the fact that jake chambers has these sort of this supernatural power called the shine so what's lovely if you you know if you've if you read the dark tower books is the dark tower books are almost like an anthology of stephen king's works like he there's lots of characters that come back throughout all of Stephen King's other books. In fact, in the last two books, Stephen King writes himself into them. You know, he's actually a, a main character in his own books at the end. Um, so there's so there's quite a lot. Um, there's quite a lot in there. There's quite a lot, and this film really, if you're a Stephen King fan, there's a lot of Easter eggs and a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff. Um, to take out of it you've also got as well as the dark man and the gunslinger you've got these the sort of rat people called the tahine uh who are sort of the the dark man's henchmen basically yeah. uh so you've got jake chambers he's got the shine you're introduced to all of these characters um and also you're introduced to the fact that roland is coming after flag for vengeance roland uh, the dark man has killed roland's father and he's coming after him he's this sort of mythical gunslinger who fights with um revolvers and he's coming after him. Um, Jake Chambers, not to, I won't, I try, d- d- won't go too much because um, the plot's fairly simple. Uh, basically, the flag and the rat people, the Tahin, come after Jake because they need him to destroy the Dark Tower. That's what he, the, the bad man wants to destroy the Dark Tower. Roland wants vengeance uh, against Flag for killing his father. Uh, Jake is chased by them, but he escapes. He finds a house in New York and goes through a portal, finds himself, and then basically, after a lot of, um, you know, a little bit of sort of lovely action sequences being chased by a monster, lovely sort of world building, he meets Roland. They get to know each other. They go on a quest to sort of understand Jake's prophecies, understand these dreams they're having, and also for, for, uh, for Roland to defeat Flag. Uh, Flag's chasing him. So a lot of the film is this nice bit where Flag's chasing uh, after Jake to try and get him because he needs him to bring the tower down. Roland's sort of protecting Jake, but you don't really know what Roland's whole thing is because he wants vengeance. What's going to come first, vengeance or, you know, the the, the the greater good, basically. And, you know, a lot of things, you know, uh, Flag kills Jake's mom. Uh, it's pretty hardcore at that bit. Uh, Roland looks after him, sort of becomes a bit of a father figure, which, you know, f- fits in with the earlier part of the story. And then you just have a lovely setup to an ending, basically. So you have all these different part, moving parts. And then at the end, you have Flag, who captures Jake. Great gunfight scene. Fantastic. Roland defeats Flag and does and, and you know, d- decides, chooses um, the correct thing over vengeance. So he, he doesn't just go down the wrong. He becomes a proper gunslinger again. He's found his way again. So really nice story. Really, really quite simple. Really what you'd want from this sort of film. And uh, and really entertaining. Okay, okay, entertaining. Gaff, really entertaining film. 
It's not. It's not. I can tell by looking at Alex's eyes that he's crying inside. Uh, he, I know that he's a really big fan of. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> wipe the tears away, Alex. <laughs> Don't get closer. <laughs> Alex is a massive fan of the series of books, and I think that anybody who is a fan of the series of books is going to be bitterly disappointed by this film because what this film does. And it happens so many times. We've seen this time and time again. Is that they get a successful series of books, and rather than faithfully adapting the first book of that series, they try to cram in several elements from several books into one film, and it just it just doesn't work. We've seen this before with Artemis Fowl. And we've seen it with Alita Battle Angel. You can't cram two or in this instance seven or eight books into a 95 minute film and and it, it is just very upsetting it feels like the entire film is just expository dialogue it feels very it feels very bored very sluggish it just kind of moves from one scene to another just kind of exposition 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 and when the action scenes do come they're very lifeless i, I just want to talk about a little bit about the behind the scenes struggles with, with this film Sony took, I think, about three, four years to actually get this script completed and get the production um, up and running because it was just so stop and start. Actors were kind of hired, directors were hired. They stepped in, they stepped out. Then like when they finally got a good script and they filmed it all, they put it in front of a test audience. Like, what do you think about this? The test audience thought it was shit. So they had to go away and spend six extra million dollars on reshoots and they had to give more of a backstory to Idris Elba's gunslinger character because they didn't understand the character. They didn't understand the relationship between gunslinger and the kids. So they had to flesh it out even more. So so you can actually tell that when you're watching the film because it looks all jagged and nonsensical. It's just a very bad film. Very, very bad film. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, so just, I'm going to come back at your points, but like in, in reverse order. Like reshoots are common. We always sort of go into this sometimes in films where we say, man, it was really hard getting made. But there's an awful lot of great films, classic films that had like development, real huge development problems. So, yeah, you know, as from an accountant's point of view, yeah, the film wasn't good. But from a like watching the film point of view, it is good. You know, you, the reshoots, just that's why they have test audiences. That's why they do it. That's why they have the process. If it didn't, need to and they wouldn't lots of lots of films have reshoots and you know some of them what well, i mean what's the problem the process is they listen to the audience and they say what they should do better and then they spent the money to make it better that sounds like a good idea to me the what i just briefly i won't talk to too long you know gav says that they should have just re, they shouldn't have tinkered around with the books but i mean as you can see a lot of people have been trying to make it so it's maybe not as simple as just do the book it, it just wouldn't have worked and I'll be honest why, I'm a massive Stephen King fan, okay? But some of the Dark Tower books are shit. And I don't mean like <laughs> they're bad for Stephen King books. I mean, they are bad books. Like they are really not good. He wrote himself in to the last two <laughs> books. That isn't, you know, very few people could get away with it. Charlie Kaufman just about, and people would say maybe he didn't on that. He doesn't in this. Like so some of the books are appalling. You've got the first one, The Gunslinger, which is good, but not a film. You just couldn't adapt it into a film, like Pet Cemetery. Um, and then you've got The Wisdom Glass, which is the fourth book. The second one's okay. The third one's pretty awful. The fifth one's bad. And the sixth and seventh one, just you, you, honestly, it was like a chore getting through it. So it's not like Harry Potter. Do you know what I mean? This this isn't a series of books that would have just been like bing bang boom. Yeah, we just make them and, and make and make some dough. 
like you would have to adapt them because they're not good. And I think, you know, Stephen King himself doesn't think these books have been written over his entire career, over lots of different, you know, times and, and, and sort of phases of his writing. And yeah, so, so you would have to do it. And I love Stephen King and I love The Dark Tower, but there's no getting around that Wolves of a Callahan, Cala, it just, it's just a bad book. No, that's fair enough. And I think that kind of makes sense is that not every, not every set of books or series of books deserves to be a film necessarily. And maybe there's a good concept which can be turned into a movie, you know, and, and I, I'd like, to, I want to reiterate, I mean, I know I started it by talking about the book, but we're not putting the books on trial. It's definitely the film that I'm basing this on. So in terms of this, you know, we're saying that we're, you know, two very contrasting views of, yes, it works as a film. No, it doesn't work as a film. And um, and I think it doesn't necessarily, because there's been development hell or, you know, a long time in the coming, and even things that don't necessarily make money at the box office doesn't necessarily make them poor films. Um, but Dave, in terms of the quality, let's say, you know, obviously it didn't get the budget it desired, it, it, it needed potentially. Um, what's the quality like? It's, I think it got a decent sized budget, to be honest with you. I think the studio backed it. Like I say, people have been working on this uh, for a long time. And yes, development hell doesn't necessarily mean that the end product is going to be a write-off. You know, development hell can mean they they really took the time and built the project up. But in this instance, I think too many cooks got involved. They've been t- tinkering with this script for so long that the, the original idea behind it has gotten lost along the way. I think that this film's biggest problem is its script. It's not its production values. The production values are there. You know, the CGI is there. You got two decent stars cast as far as Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey go. Money was spent. I don't think it was well spent, though. I think they could have done with some more, maybe either more rewrites or fewer rewrites. It's hard to tell which it would have been. Um, I, I also read the, Gun, the Gunslinger, the first book in the Dark Tower series. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I agree that you need to adapt. You know, you can't just uh, put the book up on the screen. It's not going to work, especially with Stephen King. We've, we've had a Stephen King month. You know, some adaptations just don't work no matter how hard you try. you got to play with it. But in this instance, even though in spite of the fact I had read The Gunslinger, and bear in mind, although these are revered amongst uh, a sect of Stephen King fans, they're quite cult, these books. They're not his mainstream. Even though he may consider them his opus, they're not the books you immediately associate with Stephen King. There's a very core set of fans. They are not um, esoteric, necessarily. But... With that in mind, I've I've read The Gunslinger and I found the plot and the script of this film barely coherent. I really struggled. And it is a simple story. Alex is right. It is a simple story delivered in such a, a befuddling, confusing way. And and as Gav said, with regards to the, 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 the expository dialogue that just confuses you further, expository dialogue is supposed to, you know, it's, it's dead dialogue, it's wooden, but it's supposed to clear things up and this doesn't, it makes it worse. And I've read the first book. Not many people going in to see this film with its blockbuster money and with the marketing and the big studio and the big stars behind it, they're going to go for those reasons. They don't know the books. Not many people will. And if I haven't read the first book, I'm confused. What on earth is this going to do for the rest of the audience? Okay. So, I mean confusing storyline Alex or is it you know you you actually said that it's relatively straightforward and you don't need to know the backstory so much so we know what's going to happen in some sense you know you know what so that's you know by the bible is the destination to get there you know it strikes me that this has got fantasy world and real world um, yeah is it you know is it believable 
yeah and it's good it's good world building as well i think it's because you've got you know you've got you've got bits that you want so you've got you know this talking about adapting it what you want is you want jake to be going through the portal it's a portal story a, a character goes through a portal and finds itself in a magical land and you get to know that land a little bit and you get to know the ins and outs of what's going on and then you want what the great thing is you want roland you meet this great character roland played by idris elba you know like just solid Idris, you know Idris Elba he just isn't going to steer you wrong especially in this sort of role and you want then to bring that great character who's sort of like this old you know really interesting I mean the character of Roland is the thing that makes the gunslinger because he's this sort of like old knight of Arthur's round table but that carries pistols you know and, and and slight different things and sort of talks there's almost like a Buddhist thing that runs through it and these nice phrases like you know don't forget the face of your father and and so some really lovely little bits that make it quite special and unique to this and um yeah I, I just think it's a really it's an interesting way of doing it and you want Roland then to come back into the real world and then see how he you know and and it, and it does all of those things I I think it's very unfair to say that this is confusing I I just wasn't confused I so I don't I don't quite understand that and it is a nice it is a good fantasy thing but I'd say what makes it because it is adapted, it has gone far away from the source material, which it had to do. But say you've got, it, it does the, the heart of what the Dark Tower is, because most of Stephen King's stories, okay, is you've got this, you've got very vulnerable characters who face overwhelming odds. So you've got Jack Torrance in The Shining, who's, you know, his father is going insane and is going to come after him. So you've got these characters who can't, vulnerable, can't defend themselves. You've got the children in It, who were just, you know, the whole things, you know, misery. He's like strapped in bed. There's a huge theme running through you. So you've got this overwhelming force of darkness and you've got this character and it's like, how the hell are they going to be able to make it their way through it? And they managed to do. The great thing about the Dark Tower is you've got this character, Roland, who pulls out of like Colt 45 and blasts it in the head. Do you know what I mean? And that's the nice thing. You have this action that goes with it that make that really sets the books apart and that's what it is you and that's what you got you got this whole setup where jake is being he doesn't know it's people don't even believe if he's sane or not you got these rat people after him you got the whole world about to be torn down and then just when everything seems wrong you get this roland and he comes in with this great action and that's what you need pulls out his pistols and he just starts blasting things you know and it's not you know not as simple as that it can be taken down but it's uh, that's exactly what you want. So it's you know it builds world and it does exactly what it what it what it sets out to do. There you go. So it's actually an action film, Gavin, and and you know, and uh, it's Idris Elba, quality action star. You know, does he is he bringing it home? Is that that sounds like it's uh, it's not. I love Idris Elba, and I won't have a bad word said about him. But this film is shite. Like the, the <laughs> worlds that are built that Alex is talking about have been built out of mashed potato and then they've had hot gravy poured over them. That right. sounds delicious. Sounds good. <laughs> 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 what's, sausage in what's your that, problem, Gav? Literally, literally what I had for lunch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did you like it, Ozzy? Was yeah, it I fucking loved it. I loved Brilliant. Mashed Carry potato. on, Gav. One, <laughs> of, one of my favourite programmes of all time in actual fact, Gavin, is Roger and Butter. And... As sorry, sorry. Knows, when, when I said hot gravy, I meant, I meant hot diarrhea. <laughs> Is that better now? I mean, you put me off today. It, lo- it looks like gravy, but <laughs> it ain't gravy. You know what I mean? It looks like it should be nice, but it's not. Uh, like this film is like Alex mentioned about oh, building worlds and you know establishing uh, different settings. There's just too much of it. It takes way too long to get going. Uh, we start off in Midworld where there's a bunch of kids uh, on a playground, and then they're getting drawn into a building to 
get energy taken from them to try and fire a laser beam at a dark tower. And if the dark tower crumbles, then I don't know, the man in black can then invade Earth. I don't know what the hell's going on. Then it goes to New York and then it spends a bit too long in New York setting up Jake and his and his household. I, ju- I just think it's too much time focused on that. We want the action. Sorry, Alex. The, the beam bit is that's all told through Jake's dreams. So you're yes. you're you're always in New York. You're not actually jumping about different places. Do you know what I mean? Well, well, okay, you're experiencing well, okay. it through Jake's prophecies. That might be a, a Jake prophecy, but then later on, you know, bo- uh, both Walter and Roland are in Midworld. Then Jake goes to Midworld through a portal in a house that he dreamt about. Then Walter goes to New York to try and find out the, where Jake came from. This is a lot about from. your just your tone of how you're saying this. Do you no, know what I mean? I'm, but I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're pretty much reiterating the storyline no, that I, Alex told me I, earlier. No, I'm just saying that there's a lot of back and forth, like crossing between the, the worlds, going from Midworld to Earth. That just feels very unnecessary, and it felt like a lot of it was to kind of get that fish out, you know, out, out of water experience for Roland. Like, oh yeah, let's get him. Like Elf. In, uh, just like an elf. But they don't really capitalize on it. Elf I think there's two elf, did you say? Both elf. <laughs> both, both <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> But you know, like there's, there's one decent bit and it's just a throwaway comment where he says, oh, here, eat this. And he's like, what is it? It's like a hot dog. And he's like, what breed? You know, uh, and that's it. That is the one, <laughs> one decent thing in this entire film. But I mentioned about the expository dialogue before. Uh, f- for a 95-minute film, it just feels like there are a lot, there's a lot of talking and there's not much action. Uh, you know, and rather than having fleshed out characters or naturally played out scenes or moments for us to picture or piece together ourselves, we're spoon-fed just a load of shit and it goes from one expository scene to another without any drive or any purpose. You know, like, why does Roland need to destroy the tower? Um, sorry, but why does the man in black, why does Walter need to destroy the tower? That isn't really kind of yeah. elaborated on. Yeah, the absolutely. Begin- uh, absolutely is. So, so the monsters can pass like over that. and come into the real world. But, like, so that's the thing, right? That Wait. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. But wait, but then we're shown throughout that the monsters are actually walking around in New York, like all the time. They're wearing, like, so the monsters wear uh, masks or suits dressed like humans, essentially. And they're just pissing around New York for no reason. Yeah, like, so if they could cross over to New York, if they're there already, then why does he need to destroy the Dark Tower? No, no, they're, they're like they're the ta- the the tahine are a race that you that the Randall flag uses to try to bring the dark, dark tower down. They're not the actual monsters he's trying to get to cross over. So, so why it was are they... in the film? It was. It... <laughs> so what? So why are they walking about to New York that, at all it times? It strikes me that the the man who gives me a lot of shit. <laughs> not watching a film appears to have not watched this film and it's just making stuff up hey i i told you it was incoherent listen i, listen, I unfortunately watched this film i unfortunately watched this film and it, it like it's just so fucking boring and nonsensical that none of that that fit in okay right um tell me about more of the script you give you gave me a nice line before about the hot dog uh is the more sort of comedy you know along those lines of with a bit of action a bit of lightheartedness or is it you know how how is how does that feel uh i yeah i'll um take that there's a couple of moments of comedy the fish out of water thing that gav referred to um yeah there's a couple of good lines in there i do like the bit where he's he's been in hospital after being shot and as he's leaving he like presses a gold coin into the doctor's hand is like services on his way out the door and it's like i did i did like that line but there's not a lot of it. You get a couple of moments, you get a couple of minutes of the fish out of water thing, and then it's it's gone and they move on. I don't think this is 
that great as an action film. The the end of the film, and bear in mind, this is quite a short film. It's mostly short at about 90 minutes. Um, the end of the film, yeah, there's some good shootouts. You know, finally get to see the gunslinger doing what we know the gunslinger to do. But he doesn't fire his gun until about 50 minutes into the film. The vast majority of the film has gone by without an action sequence. And that's the bit I think that drags. And that's the bit where they're trying to build a story and build the world. And I, I say trying, trying to build a story around it. And it's just falling short. You know, it's just not making sense. It's not clicking. Like I say, that script is just not doing its job. And I, I'm sure people are going to tell you more about casting characters, but I'll just give you my my thoughts on it. Um, Idris Elba, I think, was brilliantly cast. I When the, I heard he, they cast him as Roland, I thought that is perfect. You could not get better than Idris Elba. And his presence just about saves his performance on this one. He's not bad in this at all. McConaughey, I thought, was great for Randall Flagg. But the thing with Randall Flagg is the character is is the, the embodiment of evil, more or less. He's a warlock, and he's, he's, he's through all sorts of Stephen King media. He's in The Stand. He's in uh, Eyes of the Dragon. He keeps cropping up. He's that recurring antagonist you cannot get rid of. And, and Stephen King will never have anyone like the devil, or anything so on the nose in his book, but Randall Flagg is about as, co- as close to it as you're going to get. And I think McConaughey would have been great. You know, he's got the attractiveness. He's got, you know, he can make evil appealing and seductive. But at the same time, this script just sends him up the river without a paddle. McConaughey can't help himself. He's a good actor. He could have done this. That's what's so disappointing about his performance. If he'd had a decent script that really got us to see the devilish side of the sense of humor of Randall Flagg, the ambition, the fact that he's just an agent of chaos. You know, why does he want these monsters to come and invade Earth? It's like, why not? Why not? And it's just, you don't get that sense of the character. And this is a key character in the Stephen King multiverse. Randall Flagg could have done so much better than this. McConaughey could have done so much better than this. It's not his fault. It's the script. It's the direction. The things around him are just not there to support him. Uh, I mean, it's fair play. There's a few uh, big points there that I've written down, Alex. You know, it's 95 minute long, which is not a long film uh, in you know compared to Day Sync, even for an action film. And the guys are saying that more than half of that is not action. You know, sometimes you know some of the some of the Marvel stuff these days is you know it's two hours long and 95 minutes of that is yeah. <laughs> is all sure. action you know so that that you know I can understand that that might does that feel tedious in some ways you know no because you are invested in what's going on you know it's yeah it, yeah you do want action but it's not like watching the dark tower you're not just like right it's not like watching a fast and furious film when you're just like yada 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 drive a car off a tower like i don't care shut up just drive a car off a plane you know it's not quite like that you are invested in the story you are watching what's happening and it does spatter i don't I think it's unfair to say yes roland might not fire his gun until 50 minutes in but it's that to say that there's no action there's a chase sequences there's there's there are bits and bobs that go on go on and the action builds like like all good action films think about the matrix you know yeah yeah, yeah to be honest that the matrix has bigger action earlier on but it builds up to bigger action at the end. And, you know, Dave, you know, Dave did say the, the action sequence at the end is fantastic. And that's what you want from an action film. And you know what? It's innovative as well, because he's really using, I love Westerns. So I really enjoyed this action sequence, probably more than some would, to be honest. But I just, I love the use of revolvers because obviously it takes quite a long time to reload. And it's like, it's him, It's he's almost like a wizard with a revolver. And I just find that really fascinating. I found it in the book, and I'm really glad that they translated that key part into the film. Um, 
you know, I, so and I think Idris Elba, like I think you know, I think we all agree that Idris Elba did a, did a great job. Jake Chambers, the boy, does a fantastic job. He's sort of a cipher, so you know, he just sort of takes us through it quite well. You know, ask questions, but it's not like Ellen Page in Inception. Do you know what I mean? You're not like, oh my god, like she's just literally there to ask questions. Um, and Randall Flagg, look, I, I can see where Dave, but me and Dave both love the stand, like absolutely love the stand. And I would say that Randall Flagg in the stand is possibly one of the best villains of you know I, I ever written. I just love him. He's terrifying in it, and he's absolutely fantastic. And it's really hard to bring that to a screen to our be our own perceptions you know because even my perception of randall flag would be totally different to dave's that is an awful lot of pressure and it's too much to put on a script for what is a 90 minute action flick you know yeah you're not going to get the heights of shakespeare in this and really are we expecting it M- matthew mahonahay does a great job and he doesn't need the script he does it in his he does it in his emotions. He does it in the way he's walking around. He does it in the way he sort of, you know, he's terrifying the way he's got these magic powers where he just suggests things to people and they are terrifying. He burns Jake's mom to death. And that is shocking. That is a shocking moment in the film where you're like, no, she's not dead though, is she? Because she's, you know, but no, he burns her to death. So I think the menacing side does come across and I, and I, and I do think it's, um, it's done quite well. And like I say, just, um, it, it, it does what it needs to. And yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to say the script is like, wow, incredible, but it does lift some good moments and good lines from the books. So it's got the Gunslinger's Creed, which again is just really, really, really brilliant in the book where it's like, you know, I and they, they sort of repeat this like a mantra, like I don't aim um, with my eye, you know, the, the man who aims with his eye has forgotten the face of his father. I aim with my, and, and like at the end, it's got this really great line where it says like, you know, I don't kill with my gun. The man who kills with his gun has forgotten the face with his father. I kill with my heart. And I just, it, it really sums up the gunslinger that I kill with my heart. That sort of almost Zen Buddhist, like sort of spiritualism that, that runs through it. So, um, yeah, you know, it wasn't an easy job to do. We, we sort of, we're giving them a hard time here. They had a very tricky path to, to, to get through here and they did it. Kudos. Gav, kudos to McConaughey for pulling off one of the greatest villains of all time. Uh, uh, yeah, Alex said that we're invested in this film. I would massively disagree with that. I mean, it say, strikes me that you may not have watched it. I have watched this. Unfortunately, <laughs> I have watched it. We're, we're invested in this film. Like, we are invested in a timeshare. It's something that you think that you're going to get a lot of enjoyment out of. But the enjoyment is very fleeting and it becomes more of a burden. Right? I, 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 and I, would, I would actually disagree with Dave because Dave actually said that the action sequences at the end are, you know, are worth waiting for. I don't think they are. This is an action film, action fantasy. I feel like there needs to be more action throughout. So in this entire film, there's a scene where Jake, escapes from his house and he runs away from um, the face aliens or whatever the hell Alex was calling them earlier on. Uh, then later Rat on... Where... Do you listen to anything? Did you no, watch... But... Again, yeah. alien people. What, honestly? No, what? The rat, you... rat people. The rat people. The rat people, right? Sylvanian uh, families. Uh, yes. <laughs> Gav's right. taken his, uh, his argumentative skills straight out of my playbook. You know, <laughs> basically, <laughs> you ignore what you guys have said and just belittle it throughout. Uh, I know the score, I know. Exactly. I know uh, yeah, well, whatever they said, whatever they said. Right, so, so, so there's, that, there's that one scene and then later on, uh, Jake and uh, Roland are in the woods and then this really interesting idea, this sort of like monster emerges from the woods that can um, disguise itself as like a, a deceased relative 
or somebody that you, you knew from your past and it like kind of coaxes you towards them and then when you're close enough it, it attacks or it, you know brings you into its world well i thought that was a really interesting concept that it's only really briefly touched upon um you know because jake sees the vision of his dead father and then roland sees the vision of his dead father and then it just kind of goes away there's no explanation about it beforehand and then the scene happens where you know they fight off the monster he gets stabbed by the monster he gets this terrible in- infection which they can't cure over in midworld you know this 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 mystical infection but is very treatable back on earth with some antibiotics by the way like which i thought was very fucking preposterous but then after that the only other action scene is right at the end when you know there's this shootout as dave explains and i just felt like it was no there's another action sequence when the village is raided uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah this, so the, yeah, this, the the village raid, which happens at night, it may as well have been shot through a jumper because you can't uh, see most of it. He forgot uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot it because it was so uh. fucking unmemorable. But then, so at the end, right, the, there is this good scene where um, you know, Jake has is, 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 uh, been abducted essentially and uh, Roland needs to make this daring escape and rescue attempt of Jake and he's completely outgunned, he's outmanned it, there's so many people just firing at him and he's hiding behind a pillar and he's like, oh shit, Like, what am I going to do here? And you're like, how is he going to get out of this one? And the answer is, he's just going to shoot them. You know, there's no sort of there's no creative yeah, or inventive way. I know he's a good thing, but the thing is, is that like, I think like you look at like The Matrix or John Wick or even shoot him up you know, there were these really creative action sequences, they were relatively choreographed uh, maybe some use of slow motion creative camera work just inventive action just i love shoot any up that. as well mate i love it as well no, yeah, uh, yeah that's what i'm saying like shoot him up is like the godfather in comparison to this <laughs> you know like, i thought there's gonna be oh there's gonna be some slow motion work there's gonna be some inventive camera like there's gonna be in- ingenious ways that he kills these people it's just oh no bang 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 no, no, I, I, no, I, I like the lack of slow mo because it would have been boring for me. I like the fast pace, and I think that sort of gets it across. You'll have like someone will be shooting at Roland, and he'll literally take one look and shoot, and and that's the sort of thing he is. No, I, I would disagree there. I, I thought the fast paced action uh, was quite inventive, and I thought that I, 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 especially for someone who's fighting using revolvers, they used that well. It wasn't just a case of like bang, 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 bang. It was a bit more. Bang bang bang. Bang, yeah, bang, 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 like 90 minutes in like they finally do something inventive what were they meant to do kill him at 20 minutes in like he's the villain no 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 just do something interesting just do something interesting beforehand right so quickly talk about the cast of characters I I won't like rehash anything that anybody said but I just want to add a little bit about McConaughey I, I, I think that he's just reduced to uh, it's not his fault it's the script the script is awful but he's reduced to playing a pantomime villain you know like this is a bearing in mind the height of the uh, what is it what was it called the McConaughey renaissance the the, the McNaissance or whatever no it was one called calls him that. That. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just won an Oscar he just appeared in Interstellar one of the biggest blockbusters of the 21st century and this is one of his next projects that he did he was like no, kind you of, make it sound like cubism do you know what yeah. I mean like, <laughs> McConaughey the impressionist. Yeah. do you know what I mean <laughs> I think it's called the McNaissance. Um, anyway, like... Question on my lips about the whole thing here is, do we see his ass? 
Yeah. No, uh, I would no. rather stare at McConaughey's bare ass for 95 minutes and have to watch this again. Like, I think that goes without saying. Is <laughs> one of the key things that gets brought up on any McConaughey film is that we do see It'd be interesting to see what Alex uh, thinks of this, but I think that um, the ca- character of Walter, his powers aren't really clearly defined early on or at any point, I felt, for the, for the film. So there's, there's times where he seems sort of like uh, omnipresence he's sort of everywhere he can kind of appear in uh, visions or in dreams or nightmares uh, and then sometimes he appears through he, he, he has this collection of orbs and when he places an orb down he can appear as like a vision and um, but then he can also sort of appear as like a, a holograph where he's just there in the flesh but is he in the flesh i don't know so when he appears at several points and he does these things i don't know how serious to take it essentially you know right at the beginning it's like oh this is threatening he can literally just appear and do anything say anything you know he can literally speak into somebody's ear don't breathe but then I always say, oh no, it's just a vision. Oh no, actually, no. Um, he can see you. He knows where you are, but he has to get henchmen to track you down because he, he can't actually go there himself. So his abilities aren't really clearly defined and you don't really know how threatening you should take him. Uh, so I, I, did, I didn't really find him that threatening a villain, to be honest. I know that you said that, oh yeah, he goes up to people and says, don't breathe. But the first time... We, we, and, and incinerates the main character's mum. Yeah. But, <laughs> but also, you know, like the first time he interacts with Roland, he kills his dad. And then he says like, when, when I say don't breathe, you don't listen or whatever. See you later. And then just walks off. It's like, well, you know, you could probably just try and kill him. You know what I mean? But Gav has just given you an excellent description of the character of Randall Flagg in lots of Stephen King books. You don't know the limits of his power. You don't and that's exactly what makes him threatening, because you don't know what he could do next. So yeah, he appears here, and then there seems like there's a weakness. So could you exploit that weakness? Or is it real weakness? Or is he playing you against you? So that's I think Gav's just really described the character of Randall Flagg as I enjoy him. Okay, well. I've, I mean, I've heard a lot. Let's have some, maybe just some closing stuff. Maybe I'm sure there's quite a lot of stuff we haven't touched on, but I'm conscious that um, the because uh, we spent so long talking about Gav's DIY at the start that this is going to be quite a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, can we have some closing closing stuff? Shall we start with prosecution and I'll end with defense? If that's all right. Um, so Dave, I've not heard from you for a little while. Yep. Um, yeah, the the whole problem with this film, it just got so lost along the way. Like we said, you know, just because it took a long while to bring this to the screen doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. But I think there were there were a core set of fans that were waiting for this. They waited a decade, maybe even longer before pre-production started. And this is the end result. And it's such a disappointment. The action is disappointing. The performances are disappointing. I think, and the pieces were there. That's the heartbreaking thing about this. You know, you've got great source material. And you had Matthew McConaughey and Idris Elba, two decent actors that I think would have suited their characters if they had been the characters that we knew and loved from the books. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, things got lost along the way. The pieces just didn't make it to the board at the end of the day. And and the end result is disappointing, incoherent, and just a bit of a mishmash and a bit of a failure as a film and as an adaptation. Okay, a disappointment as a, and a failure as a film and an ad- adaptation. Gav, anything to add to that? Disappointing? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with Dave. It is very disappointing. If you're a fan of the books, it's very disappointing because it's not a faithful adaptation of one. It's just a mishmash of several of them and not even the best elements either. I think it failed massively on every front 
whether you're a new fan to the, the film or whether you're an existing fan of the novel, I don't think anybody will have enjoyed this. It, it's a good indication of how poorly the film did is that the director after the film was released came out and said oh no this isn't an adaptation of the gunslinger or any of the dark tower series this is actually a new story that occurs after that series has completed so it's like i I just don't understand that why would you want to do that that's like somebody creating a film that's based on uh, Harry Potter after the Deathly Hallows part two, you know, it's, it's like, it, it just, it feels very nonsensical and it feels almost like the director shit himself at the bad reception that the film got and was like, oh no, no, it, we weren't trying to do that in the first place. In summary, everything Dave said, disappointing, um, all the pieces were there, but they never really uh, landed to rob a phrase that Gav robbed from uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. You've been out- outgunned and outmanned. <laughs> as well alex you know so you've got one chance to uh, <laughs> all right rise up and take your shot. yeah um, um you know i think if you've read the books you understand what the director was saying i think Gav, that it would be nonsensical unless you're a hardcore fan and you've got all the way through to the books and i don't want to spoil the books because that is it, it's too much but that does make sense it, it really does it genuinely does make sense uh, you know they keep talking about the fans i am one of the fans but I wasn't waiting for this for a decade because I didn't have high hopes in the first place. I thought it could be done well, but I didn't think you'd be following the books. And I thought you'd have to forge your own path, which is exactly what they had to do here. It was not an easy thing for them to do. And they did it really, really well. They got the in, the interesting elements of the Dark Tower series, which is Roland. They nailed that. They got Idris Elba. They got a solid lead and brought the character and brought him in and did the, what you need to do and put him in the interesting situations and get him pulling the guns out. And you also brought the the sort of the spirit of the books in the different ways, you know, in in Randall Flagg, played by Mahonahay really well. So, you know, it was difficult to do and they pulled it off. And I think it's 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 unfair to say that it's a, a mishmash because I, I followed it. It was a 90 minute action flick. And the main thing is it didn't outstay its welcome. 90 minutes, spot on, well done. Okay, 90 minutes, spot on, well done. Uh, almost like this episode. Spot on. Well done. Is there anything? Yeah, while, I, uh, while, I, <laughs> while I just collate the last of my notes, do we have anything to spare the time or should I just sort of... Yep. Don't even bother co- collecting your notes. Just yeah. blurt out your honest opinion. <laughs> your first okay. thought. So, well, <laughs> that's, how ju- that's how real judges do it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I think on the face of it, it sounds like... Um, the the film could could well have been you know it had every opportunity to be very to be a very good film you know and I think like Alex says is that it's a interesting premise from a set of books you know there's a lot of material to be played with to be adapted and condensed edited down into something interesting and useful and um, you know I think the prosecution sort of hammered home that actually ninety five minutes you need if it's only a short film you need to keep people fully entertained on the you know on the edge of the seat essentially for that 95 minutes so in short in spite of gav's lies and uh vitriol i think i'm gonna side with gav and dave on this one and um and put this onto the shit list it sounds like it had every opportunity to be good and it just fell short by a long way <laughs> and the nods all around seem to... <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you reckon uh, you... that ever happens in court where the defense is like, yes, well, 20 yeah. years to life, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. 
Okay. I mean, do, I, do we need to bother doing uh, honest opinions? I, I'm, I'm going to just. I still want to hear it. <laughs> I, I was very honest about mine. I, I've, and I'll see. I was actually offended when you said I haven't watched this. I've watched this one and a half times. <laughs> too many. Times too many. <laughs> because we, we watched half of the film a while ago. Uh, me, Dave, uh, Alex, and Joel, and we couldn't get through it. We had to turn it off. And then, uh, so I had to watch it in full at the weekend. And uh, I wish I could have turned it off all over again. But no, it was it was just it was just very bad. It's just a very poor script. I think I think there was a lot of interesting elements that they could have fleshed out more. So I think the core sort of script that they've got is very interesting, but it's just poorly executed. And I think even Idris Elba doing a really good stoic performance couldn't save it. Do you think it could have been? It should have been longer potentially in order to yeah. give people the time. And, I, I and think. Effort. I think if it would have been longer, and it would have had some of the exposition cut out, a few more action scenes put in, and it would have maybe been an R rating. It could have been better because McConaughey's villain seems like a real horrible bastard. But you didn't really see much of it. I know Alex was saying, "Oh, he whispers into people's ears." But even when he burned the mum, that was essentially done off screen. Um, and it, well, it was... well, I mean, to get a PG thirteen, you can't incinerate. I want to see. I want to see people incinerated. I mean, it's just me. But yeah, I, I just think that you know sometimes you just don't go for the PG thirteen, uh, especially at the moment. I think studios are realizing more and more that you can make a lot of money off R-rated films. More and more films are doing so now after the success of Deadpool. And I think maybe if they would have gone for that R rating, they would have drawn more fans in. And they could have been a bit more free with their action and their action set pieces. I don't, I don't think it, that's what I don't think that's what held it back. It is shit and it deserves <laughs> to be on the shit list. Like it isn't it isn't a good film. I'd say it's not as bad as people make out. I actually would watching it. And and like but you never know when you're doing this podcast because sometimes you think, Christ, you're just trying to like find any gold in there at, at all. But there were some good moments and and there could have been something. I'd actually place it a bit on the direction, to be honest. I just don't think... It just wasn't good enough and there's something about it that felt quite cheap and a bit sort of like like, an, like a 90s sci-fi knockoff of Star Trek somehow. Just <laughs> like when they're in, when they're in like the, the camp in Midworld... There's just something about all the people that were there that just felt quite poor. A lot of extras just milling around, and it's just like this just just doesn't feel like a world somehow. And even in New York, which is very expensive to, you know, I mean, it's like if you're in New York, you should probably know what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it has loads of elements, but I would say it was just that overarching sort of just way of way of filming it and way of just sort of melding it together that was just like massively lacking in it. Um, and it is a shame, and it and it was um, it was appalling, but not as appalling as I would say it's been made out to be. <laughs> okay, I so, don't know about so that. Just shit, standard it's appalling. Not it's, it's not like unwatchably, mm. you know, shit. You know what I mean? It's not superior. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, like uh, I, I'm so incensed right now. Uh, that that. But Alex has just reminded me, like one thing that I found really annoying about Midworld is just. The, it's the costumes 
and, and the set mm. a little bit. It yeah. just felt like some people were like dressed like they'd just come straight out of the dark ages. And some people right. looked like they were just on for a Sunday stroll in the park. You know, it was just very just, confusing. It just it didn't did feel like people like... had really thought it through. Like, yeah. yeah, it did feel like a bit like an episode of Sliders. Yeah, or Quantum Leap or something yeah. like that. Or, yeah, yeah. It felt, it felt Meet the townsfolk like and yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. be honest, like Idris Elba performed like he was uh, uh, Sam from Quantum Leap at some points, just sort of like, <laughs> what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> anyway, uh, Dave. Uh, I meant pretty much everything I said. Actually, no, I meant everything I said. I've been quite honest on this one. Made some concessions. Like Alex said, it's not god-awful. There's a couple of gems. Idris Elba, I do think he's good in this. He does his best. There's just nothing for him to work for. You know, it's his, it's his presence that carries him through. Um, McConaughey, I think, was dealt a very shitty hand on this one. I think he uh, he could have done something with his character. I think he has the ability to really bring Randall Flagg to the yeah, screen. Definitely. And yeah, it's it was wasted. He was wasted. And I blame, yeah, script, direction. It had some of the pieces, but there were some key pieces that were just missing from this. And there was no hope of finding them. You know, no matter how many rewrites you did, this one just went down a path that it wasn't coming back from. I don't think it was an easy... Not that no one couldn't have done it, but I don't think it's an easy film to make anyway, as well. Do you know what I mean? I don't think it's like, oh man, you know, they missed an own goal. Mm. But... God, they they also did. <laughs> they didn't score one. I, I think I think Stephen King was quite uh, honest about it. He said he liked the film. You know, it, it, he's you know what he's like. He you changed his mind King. about it. That annoyed me a bit. Actually, but he also it, said, yeah. in all honesty, though, it would have made a better miniseries. Yeah. When Gav no, was saying said HBO, that... if HBO got the hands on it, they could have done something. Oh, yeah. There's not the pressure to deliver in 90 minutes. You know, you can. Yeah. You can stretch your story out. Yes. You can do some character development. You do several forty-minute episodes. Yeah, you don't need an action set piece every hour. You know, it. I think a, a mini series could have done it. That might but, be the medium. Before it was released, though, Stephen King did say it was a really like he was really happy with what they had. But I was going to bring yeah. it up, but obviously Stephen <laughs> King is not exactly the one you want to bring up as you know, he's like, as a good it. judge of film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after it got <laughs> reception, he was like, maybe it wasn't so good. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> actually now I sort of think about it. Yeah. Now but, that I'm sober, I think that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, the guy who said two thumbs up about Graveyard Shift, I don't think <laughs> we should be listening to his opinions. No, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with what Dave was saying. Uh, you know, I imagine this because uh, yeah, I read the first book and I thought, like, uh, if HBO got the rights to this, imagine like a sort of cross between Westworld and I was going to say um, Deadwood, but essentially it is just Westworld, you know, sort That's of Westworld, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Westworld it, and Lord of the Rings, sort of, yeah, 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 but yeah, alas. Anyway, higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was Pet Cemetery, which on Rotten Tomatoes scored 55 critical and 33% audience rating. I know the score on this, and it's it's insane. It's got to be lower. I think Pet Cemetery, you know, well, wasn't, wasn't, 30, wasn't a write-off. But. Didn't you just say 35? Mm. On it can't be yeah. lower than that. No, I think it well could be. This this isn't good, Ozzy. You haven't seen it yet, Ozzy. <laughs> <Seriously. laughs> this, this really isn't good. So uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you now that the um, the audience one is actually higher than 33. It's 40, 45 uh, out of 100. Uh, yeah. But it's the critical one that is much, much lower. It's 16%. Oh, 16. Wow. I know. I got 50 something. Yeah. You know. Anyway, um, our next film has been pulled out of the hat at random and it is the start of a new season. Uh, I, well, I would say it has been picked out of the hat at random, but no, we actually picked we, this one up. What we did is we, we yeah. put in all of the films that might be Stephen King and Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> together. Yes. <laughs> pulled them out of random. 
<laughs> we, are, we are transitioning like Randall Flagg from one world to another. We are moving from Stephen King to Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're going to have an Arnold Schwarzenegger month. And what better way to celebrate that than doing the Stephen King, Arnold Schwarzenegger crossover film, The Running Man. So that's right. Next week, The Running Man will be on trial. And the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So in the role of defense, is going to be me. In the role of prosecution, it's going to be Ozzy and Dave. And in the role of judge is going to be alex um so yeah that's it just want to say thank you very much to the guys here and thank you very much to everybody who's listened to this episode if you did like the episode why not give us some good feedback uh, send us a nice little message on twitter why don't you uh, if you want to catch more content from us go on our website filmsontrial.co.uk or check us out on any social media at film trials on twitter or films on trial on facebook youtube or instagram so that is it the dark tower is a sheet unsurprisingly, and we're going to be directly in your ears next week with The Running Man. Goodbye. Can you, sorry, who's got what? Ozzy's judging you two are prosecuting. Yeah. And I'm somehow defending it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say somehow. Don't say somehow. <laughs>